Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be talking about Christian nationalism versus religious liberty, and specifically going to be talking about a Baptist religious liberty organization called the Baptist Joint Committee. And this is a very liberal organization, but they did testify in Congress recently, so we're going to shine a light on this organization and some of their key allies and... We're going to also highlight the hypocrisy of this organization when it comes to religious liberty. But first, I want to let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. Link in the description below. Evangelical Dark Web is one of the leading you know, Christian nationalist platforms supporting YouTube channels and all that other stuff. So you definitely want to support us there as well. Uh, we embrace the label Christian nationalist here, and I, I think it's a new way to identify what Christians have always believed about Christianity interacting with the public sphere, the civil magistrate specifically, that Christians really only stop believing with the rise of modern liberal ideology. So that's a whole history lesson for another day. But suffice to say that some of what we're going to talk about in this video does relate to the history of specifically Baptist theology on this topic of religious liberty and how the BJC specifically misrepresents Baptist um, theology on this subject, which that misrepresentation was adopted by the Southern Baptist Convention in 1925 in their First, Baptist faith and message, which is a garbage tier faith statement, by the way. It was a, a complete downgrade from the 1833 that they previously had and a substantial downgrade from the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. So, uh, with that said, let's dive into this clip. It went viral because this is Amanda Tyler, who's going to be the subject of what we're going to be talking about today. And she's the head of these organizations we're going to be talking about. She testified in Congress. Here is her uh, testimony or the highlight of her testimony that she wanted out there. The single greatest threat to religious liberty in the United States today, and thus our reputation as leaders in the fight for religious liberty to the rest of the world, is Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is a political ideology and cultural framework that seeks to fuse American and Christian identities. Christian nationalism seeks to privilege Christians and Christianity in law and policy. We see what happens when religious nationalism in a country is allowed to flourish and use the power of the state to attempt to force a set of religious beliefs or create only one accepted form of religious belief. Uh, for the record, it's called Israel. To oppose Christian nationalism is not to oppose Christianity. In fact, a growing number of Christians, and I am one of them, feel a religious imperative to stand against Christian nationalism. 
More than 35,000 Christians have signed their names to a unifying statement of principles at the heart of the Christians Against Christian Nationalism campaign, which includes this language, quote, conflating religious authority with political authority is idolatrous and often leads to the oppression of minority and other marginalized groups, as well as the spiritual impoverishment of religion. We must stand up to and speak out against Christian nationalism, especially when it inspires acts of violence and intimidation, including vandalism, bomb threats, arson, hate crimes, and attacks on houses of worship against religious communities at home and abroad, end quote. It's deeply alarming that a member of the U.S. House of Representatives openly identifies as a Christian nationalist. Yet all of us who care about religious freedom should be able to quickly and definitively reject Christian nationalism. So that is Amanda Tyler, who's going to be the, she's the executive director of the BJC that we're about to talk about. She's also the spearhead of this Christians Against Christian Nationalism organization that we're going to talk about. So she's the main character in this, and she's a pretty interesting person. Um, but I do want to go react to that video backwards to first. So I think the congressman that she's talking about was Marjorie Taylor Greene. Maybe there's another one. She didn't name names, which I don't know if that was in order to name names or not, but she didn't. So speculation. Uh, she talked about acts of violence that are really unsubstantiated. That's an unsubstantiated claim. She didn't specify the claim or an instance that was specific. So let's uh, rewind back to the definition. And again, this definition is flawed because it focuses on the American context. And again, Christian nationalism is about establishing or restoring a Christian heritage to a people through the preaching of the gospel, the establishing of institutions and the aligning the civil laws with the law of God. And this is what Christian nationalism is, is about making a Christian nation in the same way that you would have a Christian family, a Christian school, a Christian church, and a Christian business. So these are pretty coherent. And again, I think the history is pretty substantial that this is what Christians have always believed. When rulers of nations became Christians, they were essentially Christian nationalists. And you don't have to point to Constantine because there's examples prior to Constantine. And Rome was only the third nation to adopt Christianity as an official religion. It's not the first. It's not the second. It was the third. Contrary to public myth. And that myth is mostly, you know, existent in the, anti in the Constantine disrespecting crowd. Um, but anyway, let's, uh, go back to this organization. Uh, I, I do want to highlight, uh, Amanda Tyler is not exactly a good, uh, model Christian, uh, in a sense, because, you know, as a Baptist with a Jewish husband and an interfaith family, I'm energized to pick, uh, by this pick in the religious diversity represented as, well as the barriers broken congratulations senator kamala harris so this is an old tweet obviously but it, it does highlight and this isn't you know this is where i found this out but yeah she has she's married to a pagan so that's some modeled model christianity right there and uh she uh 
Yeah, and there's some other ties that are suspicious in this in the organizations that these are a part of. So the Baptist Joint Committee is her organization. She's the joint, uh, or she's the executive director. And this is a very shady organization, and this is where it stands on religious liberty. So I'm going to highlight this example because this is basically the damning example of where they stand on religious liberty. So a baker who refuses to make a wedding cake for a same-sex couple. So this is the Masterpiece Cake Shop Supreme Court case. This is pretty famous. Everyone kind of knows about this, right? Um BJC says granting an exemption in this case would be dangerous for religious liberty. So let me rephrase that. Saying that Masterpiece Cake Shop does not have to bake a wedding cake for two butt pirates is a threat to religious liberty. That is the argument made by the Baptist Joint Committee. So the case was Masterpiece Cake Shop versus Colorado Civil Rights Commission. It was centered around a bakery's owner, a bakery owner's refusal to make a cake for the wedding reception of a same-sex couple based on its religion, his religious beliefs, despite state law requiring that businesses open to the public not refuse service to homosexual due to homosexual transvestite status. Uh, BJC filed a brief on behalf of the state of Colorado explaining that laws like this laws like this one, which covered discrimination against disability age or disability race religion in brackets. So what does that mean? Um, color, sex, sexual orientation, marital status, natural origin or ancestry protect religious liberty. Granting a broad ex- exemption for this baker would open the door for other business owners to refuse service to customers in other protected categories on the basis of this of the business owner's religious beliefs. For example, another commercial baker could use these same arguments to refuse to create a cake for an interfaith couple, an interracial couple, or a couple where one had previously divorced. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of Masterpiece Cake Shop, but it sidestepped the central question whether the baker was entitled to an exemption. It Instead, it found the Colorado Commission had not been fair in its consideration of the matter. So this is an organization that is fundamentally anti-Christian and opposes religious liberty for Christians. For anyone else, this organization is going to take a stand. It's just like the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is just like them. It's just... A little bit more honest. It's further down the train of liberalism. So this is the uh, organization, uh, the uh, statement, Christians Against Christian Nationalism. Um, And this uh, is some of their resources. You can see some of their uh, donors or their endorsers. So this is perhaps the more interesting part. And a lot of the, the endorsers are also affiliated with the Baptist Joint Committee or, and, or a commission. And you, you got a lot of CBF, Cooperative Baptist Fellowship people, uh, liberal denominations abound. I do want to highlight Tony C- Campolo and Shane Claiborne 
the founders of the red letter Christian movement. So you got some high roller liberal activist uh, in this. And you know, if you're associating with these guys, it's not a legitimate organization. And again, Episcopalians, liberal Baptists, this is who this organization is tailored to. They're not even pretending to be Christian, but it's just hilarious that they're pretending to be Christian uh, against Christian nationalism. And on their statement, they talk or in their history, they talk about um, Roger Williams, the founder of Rhode Island, and how he was one of the pioneers and founders of, you know, Baptist theology on religious liberty. But if you look at the history of Rhode Island, Rhode Island required you to be Protestant in order to hold public office. So... Clearly, even Roger Williams' version of religious liberty didn't go that far. It allowed for tolerance of a lot of stuff, but it didn't go so far as to pave the way for, you know, non-Protestants to hold public office. And there's a, also another famous instance where the colony of Rhode Island, this was a colony at the time, denied citizenship to a Jewish applicant. I thought that was a pretty fascinating case. So even Rhode Island had this culture, you know, the Bap a more Baptist colony had a culture of not being all that religiously tolerant towards Catholics or non-Christian religions. So I don't think uh, they understand Baptist history. And if you read, you know, the 1689 London Baptist Faith Confession, this document does not allow for religious liberty for pagan religions. It doesn't pave the way for that at all. You don't really see that in a Baptist faith statement until the 1925 Baptist faith and message of the Southern Baptist Convention. And that is a garbage tier uh, faith statement that I could never support. I couldn't sign it. It is anti-reformed, uh, for instance. And one of the anti-reformed language was... Uh, simply to erase the 1689 influence. A lot of that stuff was changed in the 1966 or is it 63 um, Baptist faith and message, which is better. It's not good. And then the 2000s, the best one, but it's mostly good. Uh, the, the strengths of the Baptist faith and message 2000 are that it addresses contemporary issues. That is its strength. It's not better otherwise than the London Baptist Confession of Faith. So, there's a little Baptist history for you. So, I guess the question is, how should Christian nationalists view the issue of religious liberty? And I think that the colony of Maryland, where I live, set the example in paving the way for religious toleration of the Christian religion. I think that more ecumenical approach is the most ideal for national governance under Christian nationalism. Now, does that mean, in, you know, individual states can establish a religion? I don't think that's necessarily prohibited, but you have to have a very hom homogenous state to make that work. I don't think that would work in any of the 50 states in the United States. Um, so I wouldn't advocate that. But if you had a situation where a population was much more religiously homogenous if a 
you know, a Presbyterian church denomination wanted to have a state sponsored religion, I would not object to that. So those are some of my thoughts on that grander issue. But again, I don't support religious liberty for non-Christian religions. That's my stance. I believe that's the only biblically defensible stance. There is no, uh, nothing biblically defensible about defending the rights of Muslims to freely worship in the United States. That is pragmatism at best, but you're advancing pagan interest at worst and also inherently. So those are my thoughts uh, as related to the Christian nationalist movement. Uh, and that is one of the uh, organizations that's gearing up to fight Christian nationalism. The grift is strong in the uh, Baptist Joint Committee or commission, I keep forgetting. But anyway, have a blessed day. We will catch you on the next one.